All right, church, I have got some incredible news for you today. Uh, We've been praying for our church finances, and I think they're answered. This week, I got an email from Prince Chedu Boglo, the son of the retired general of the Nigerian army. Long story short, there's some political unrest in Nigeria, and the prince needs he needs help from somebody he can trust. He needs to move $41 million U.S. dollars out of Nigeria so that he and his family can get to safety. And for helping, he is willing to give me 20% of all that money. And all I've got to do is uh, give him the rounding numbers to my bank account so he can move the money over. Isn't that great? I mean, that's like $8 million. Listen, when a Nigerian prince contacts you needing help, what is a person to do? Delete that email. <laughs> if, if you are unfamiliar with this scam, uh, these scams are, this is the Nigerian prince uh, e- email scam. Uh, typically, you're going to get an email from somebody overseas who claims to be royalty or of some sort of distinction, and the fraudsters, they lure you in by offering a share of a huge investment opportunity or a fortune that they can't get out of the country without your help. So they ask you um, either for your bank account number so they could transfer the money to you for safekeeping, or they ask you to give them a small advance payment to help cover the expense of transferring the money, and that's when they either take your payment and disappear or they drain your bank account. And this scam, it's been around for over 20 years. It was reported that in 2018, Americans lost over $700,000 to this scam. Yeah. That same report states that Americans lost over $26 million to scams in 2018. Listen, I have fallen for other tricks in life, but I did not fall for this one. You ever heard somebody say, you just fell for the oldest trick in the book? I didn't fall for the Nigerian email trick. It's an old trick, but it's not the oldest trick in the book. I can tell you, though, I have fallen for the oldest trick in the book. I almost fell for a new scam recently. It was the moving scam, where people will put down a deposit and movers just never show up. I mean, since we have been moving houses, I saw a Groupon for uh, movers, and I was like, Hey, well-timed Groupon, I need a mover. And so I, I bought it. And then I read the reviews on the moving company that apparently I bought into. And because I was acting quickly, I was able to recoup my money um, uh, because that's, what, that's the scam. You pay for it, but they never show up. Um, moving scams cost... Americans over $600,000 in losses in 2018 alone. Watch out for the moving scam if you're getting ready to move. No, I did not fall for the no-show movers trick. It's an old trick, but it's not the oldest trick in the book. I can tell you, however, I have fallen for the oldest trick in the book. Shortly before coming to Willow Bend, a young driver backed into my wife's minivan and dented the back hatch. It's still dented, by the way. Uh, When we moved to the Dallas area, I was pumping some gas at the Sam's Club, and a guy comes up to me, 
And he says, hey, I can fix that dent for you while in the parking lot, while you're shopping. He said he worked for an auto body uh, shop and he had all the tools from his work with him and he could save me a bunch of money. I think he was going to say, I could do the work for $200. I knew that the insurance had given me $1,200 for it. Now, if you ask, why is the dent still there if the insurance gave me money? It's because I used it for other things. All right? Um, but I was thinking, man, this is a good deal. I could get this dent fixed. Well, so I, it was a cold day. So I start my gas pumping. I get into my car. I pull out this wonderful smartphone, and I Google dent-fixing scam. And sure enough, there I read almost the exact word-for-word details that this guy was pitching to me, and I was like, oh, I'm not falling for that scam. I did not fall for the uh, um, dent-fixing gypsy scam. It's an old trick. And that's what they named it on the internet. Don't think I'm just conjuring up words here. Um, I didn't fall, fall for that trick. However, a friend of mine did. And not only were they not able to fix the dents in the car, but they left this weird white residue on the car that once it caked on, it was nearly impossible for her to get it off of her car. Um, Listen, you might not have fallen for the Nigerian email scam, the fake mover scam, the dent gypsy scam, but I'm certain that everybody here today has fallen for the oldest trick in the book. Do you know what the oldest trick in the book is? Last Sunday, I was eating with um, some of the young adults, and uh, we were eating, and I was telling them, hey, this is what I'm going to be preaching on next Sunday, and um, hey, you know any good tricks that people fall for? And... uh, because I preach on the oldest trick in the book, and one of the people dining with us, he says, hey, Bob, you got something on your, you got, you got something right here? And I start checking myself. <laughs> it was so funny. I'm asking about, do you know any good tricks? And he's got me wiping my face. That's a classic trick, but it's not the oldest trick in the book. So to find out what the oldest trick in the book is, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 3. You know what the word Bible means? It means book. You see, the Bible is not just a book. It is the book. The Bible is not just one of many books. It is unparalleled in its content. It is unparalleled in its distribution. It's unparalleled in its impact on people. When it comes to redeeming broken lives and bringing people closer to God, the Bible is the book. And the oldest trick in the book is found in Genesis chapter 3. Read with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? This serpent that's talking to Eve is none other than Satan himself. Jesus tells us that whenever Satan speaks a lie, he's speaking from his very nature because he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. He is a crafty liar. He is skilled at twisting the truth in ways that most never notice. And he slithers up to Eve, and he speaks, he sneaks a lie into a question. Did God actually say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Thing is, that's not what God said at all. When you look in Genesis chapter 2, when God spoke about 
eating of the trees. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of knowledge and of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. See, in his question, Satan is looking to cause doubt in God's goodness. He's looking to cause doubt in God's wisdom and God's love and, and God's provision. And, and he, he sets the trap. Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree? God had actually given them per- permission to eat from every tree except one. You see, God is good and God loves and cares for his children. Genesis 3, verse 2. And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And that right there is the oldest trick in the book. The original lie, and every single one of us has fallen for it. What's the oldest trick in the book? It's a threefold lie designed to get you to doubt God's love and care for you, to question what God has said, and to ultimately get you to put yourself in the position of being your own God. Did God really say you can't eat from any tree? You will not surely die, you will be like God. You should be in control. You know better than God does. He doesn't really love and care for you. Your life would be better if you were in charge. The only person you can trust is yourself. And every single one of us, every single one of us has fallen for this age-old lie. It is the oldest trick in the book. You see, every time, every time we doubt God's will as good, Every time that we ignore the consequences put forth in the Bible, thinking, well, that, that won't happen to me. God said it, but, but God didn't mean it. Satan still slithers up to us all, and he lies to us in order to cause us to doubt God's wisdom and goodness and to take. And in so doing, we make ourselves our own God. And like Eve, we determine that God is prohibiting good from us and what what we we're prohibited from it delights our eyes and we convince ourselves that we will be better for it and so we take the bible warns us about drunkenness that satan lies to us and we think god didn't really mean that nothing bad will happen to me the bible warns us about romantic relationships with unbelievers and satan lies to us We think God's trying to keep something good from me. Nothing bad will happen to me. I know better. Now, here's a question to ponder. Why does Satan lie to us in order to get us to take control of our own lives, to be our own God, deciding what we think is right and wrong, good and bad? What's his motive? Jesus says that Satan, like a thief, in John 10.10 The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. You see, God 
loves his children, and he means for us to have a life that is characterized by abundance. But the thief comes to steal that from you. When Satan lies to you, promising that you will get more if you just take control and take what you want, when you, and when, you, when God says, don't, you don't, don't have it, not yet, wait, you say, I'm going to have it, I'm going to take it, I know better. He knows that there's going to be a consequence to you for you doing things your way rather than God's way. See, he knows that God is serious about what he has said. If he can get you to doubt what God has said and convince you to do things your way, he knows that God's provision and God's plan for you will not come about. The abundant life that God has meant for you, it becomes out of your reach because you've taken hold of something else. It's been said, you cannot shack up with the devil and expect God to pay the rent. Now you're the boss. You're in control. But you're on your own. And when you're on your own, it is easier for Satan to begin to kill and destroy things in your life. I can see it in your eyes. You can look back in your life and you can see that Satan has stolen from you, killed parts of you, and brought all kinds of destruction in your life because you fell for the oldest trick in the book. So have I. You know, Satan tried to get Jesus to fall for the oldest trick in the book. In the book of Matthew, Jesus has just been baptized and the Holy Spirit has come down from heaven like a dove and the voice of God is heard audibly by those who are there. And in Matthew 3.17, it says, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. Then Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after Jesus has fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, that's 40 days and 40 nights of not eating, not drinking, Satan comes to Jesus. And in Matthew 4.3, watch this. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. You know what the last voice that Jesus heard before entering the the wilderness was? It was the voice of God saying, This is my Son. The first thing that Satan does to call into question what God has said, If you're the Son of God, are you really God's Son? If If you're the Son of God, prove it. Did God really say... By the way, the temptation to turn stones into bread, it's an interesting temptation because nowhere in the Bible are you going to find the command, thou shalt not turn stones into bread. Satan wasn't even tempting Jesus to sin directly. He was tempting Jesus to take control, to be his own provider, to be his own God. You are falling for the oldest trick in the book every time you start thinking that your wants, your needs, your goals are more important than God's will. You know, you never see Jesus use his divine power for himself. Read all the Gospels. You never see him use his divine power for himself. He's always doing miracles for others. Jesus resists the devil by quoting Scripture. Quoting what God has said. 
So Satan again tries to get Jesus to fall for the oldest trick in the book. Starting in verse 5, Matthew chapter 4. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Satan says, okay, son of God, you like to quote scripture? Here's some scripture for you. And Satan quotes Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. Well, he sort of quotes Psalm 91. Let me show you the actual verse from the Bible next to Satan's quotation. We've got the actual Psalm 91, and then we have the satanic version. Do you see the difference? Satan leaves a portion of the Scripture out. Satan makes it sound like the angels of God were hovering around Jesus on standby to catch him if he should fall. But the actual scripture says that the angels will guard him in all his ways. The actual meaning here is that the angels will guard him in all his righteous ways. Meaning, if Jesus is walking in God's will, then the angels will guard him. Satan has tricked many of you into thinking that you can do life your way on your terms, ignoring God's will, and still expect God to bless and keep you. It's a trick. And it's robbing you of the life that God intends for you. And when trouble comes upon you because you have walked away from God's will, but expect, you, you still expect Him to cover you, now you're mad at God. Instead of recognizing that it's been the devil who's lied and deceived you into falling for the oldest trick in the book. But Jesus was not falling for the oldest trick in the book. And he quotes scripture back to Satan. And so finally, in what seems to be a ridiculous temptation, here comes Satan, Matthew 4, verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And doesn't this temptation seem ridiculous? I mean, why would Jesus worship Satan? But, but look deeper at what's going on here. Satan is telling Jesus, you can have what you want and you don't have to rely on God to get it. You can bring peace to the whole world. No more war, no more hate. You can have what you want and you don't have to wait on God to bring it about. You, you can have it all. You can get it quicker. You can get it easier. God's ways are slow and difficult. Why trust a God that will have you sacrifice? There's a better way. Just bow down. It's the oldest trick in the book. But Jesus didn't fall for it. But you and I have. We've fallen for it over and over and over again. Every time we doubt what God has said. Oh, the Bible says such and such, but God didn't mean it. That was then. This is now. So our culture ignores what the Bible says about relationships. Homosexuality is just a lifestyle. It's not a sin. That was then. This is now. God didn't mean that. Sleeping with my girlfriend or boyfriend, even though we're not married, that's okay. I have determined what's good for me, and I want it. That was then. This is now. God didn't mean it. 
You can go through the whole list of the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But I know it's good for me. And if I work an extra day, I'll have more. It's my only day to sleep in. I know what's right. I know what's good. I know what's better. Over and over again, we hear what God has said, and we are conned into thinking we know better. That was then. This is now. God didn't mean it. Then Satan twists Scripture. The Bible says God is love, and a loving God will only celebrate his children no matter what they do, because that's what modern love looks like. Modern love doesn't involve sacrifice. Modern love just means you celebrate what a person does and is. So we can't call out any sin anymore. We must only accept and celebrate. And certainly a loving God would not punish his children. The love of God has been so twisted by the devil that now biblical realities like hell and God's wrath are philosophically denied. I remember I uh, was working in close work with a Presbyterian preacher and he was trying to get his church to move from one particular branch of the Presbyterians to a different one because they were so trying to sanitize and walk away from God's word and like they had done things like like there's a hymn that uh, it's called um, um, In Christ Alone. Beautiful song. But in that song it talks about the wrath of God. They took it out of the hymnal. Because they were like, we can't talk about the wrath of God. You can't have a loving God who has a wrath. Well, you can if you read the Bible. So we can't talk about wrath. We can't talk about hell. See, because modern man knows better. And the devil, like a thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And every time we fall for the oldest trick in the book, every time we believe his lives, we set ourselves above God we live as though we know best, as though we're in charge, as, 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 though, as though we should be the boss. And, and in our position of control, we isolate ourselves away from God. And when you are isolated away from God, you become easy pickings for the devil. And the devil knows that if you live long enough like this, that God will eventually give you over to your lusts and appetites. Paul says in the book of Romans, he tells us what happens when people continually choose themselves above and over God. Romans 1, 24, 25. It says, therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity and to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever, amen. It's as though God says, fine, you want to be the boss? You think you know better? You want to be in control? Go ahead. You can have it. Go ahead and chase after every lust in your heart. See what that gets you. See, the fruit of my spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. But you've believed the lie. And you think you make a better God than me now. So go ahead. See if you control yourselves when the lust of your heart... Hunger for more and more and more. See, I have known too many people who have lived their lives for the purpose of getting what they want, and now they hate what they have. 
The devil starts off with a little lie. But he is working toward our destruction. And every single one of us have fallen for this old trick, this original lie. Every one of us has doubted God. Every one of us has chosen our own way above God's ways. Every single one of us has taken control. And if you do it enough, you probably end up, you went out to get what you want, and now you hate what you have. It's not Satan's only trick. Just the oldest one. So what do you do? What do you do now? What do people who've fallen for the oldest trick in the book do? Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work for good. For those who are called according to His purposes. You see, what you need is you need an ally now. You need somebody big enough, strong enough, smart enough that he can take all things, including your mistakes, your messes, your mishandling of the situation, somebody who is bigger than what you've done, somebody who can work all things for good. You need to turn to God. It says that that God works together for all, all things for the good, for those who are called according to his purpose. You see what Satan has done? He has tricked you into living for your purposes. You want God to start to turn these things around in your life? He's called you to live according to his purposes. It's a pretty simple step. Oh, depending on how deep your mess is, it may take you longer to... Be led out of it, but you repent. You start living for God's purposes, and I promise you, God's power is way more powerful than our mistakes. He can turn anyone's story around. So what about you? Has Satan got you doubting God's goodness? Has he got you blaming God because things aren't working out the way you wanted them to? God may very well be going, you know what? I didn't want things to work out the way you wanted them to. Because you being in control, that's eventually going to set you up for your own destruction. I want to invite my musicians to come back up and go ahead and just start playing. Satan convinces us God didn't say that, God didn't mean it. The Bible says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. God didn't mean that. You've got to work for it. You've got to earn it. Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
God didn't mean that. You should take. The Bible says, God's foolishness is greater than all our wisdom together. And Satan lies to us and says, that's not really the way it is. God knows that if you would just take, you'll find out. You know better. You can do better. What area in your life is he trying to rob from you? Is he trying to rob freedom from you? Because God says it's better to forgive. You know, we think forgiveness is about letting somebody else off the hook. I tried to explain that to somebody this week. But no, forgiveness is about letting me off the hook. I could spend a lot of time angry at somebody and they never know a thing about it. My day's ruined. And they're going along with them happy selves. I need to let myself off the hook. In the area of relationships, God says, wait. Trust me. Satan's lying to you and saying, no, no, no. You need to take control. You need to get it now. If you don't get it now, it's never going to happen. You'll never get that job. You'll never get that relationship. You'll never get that romantic connection. You've got to do it now. You've got to do it this way. Oh, they, 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 you know what God wants you to do, but, but they insist on this. And now you've got these other people acting along and with Satan's lie. What's he trying to rob from you today? Is it in the area of God's provision? God promises that He'll take care of us. Satan's got you believing. Oh, if you just work more. Don't give time to God. You go out there and take. You go out there and earn. Jesus says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Satan says, No, no, no. This is your only day to sleep in. Don't go and worship God. Don't go and be reminded of what God says. What's He trying to rob from you today? What's God trying to build back into you today? Today's a great day to repent. A great day to say, you know what, God? I'm done being boss. I've done it my way, and I don't like what I've gotten out of it. I think I want to do it your way. I want to trust you. I'm going to wait according to your wisdom, your timing, your plan. And I can tell you, I can point at the good things in my life. The best things in my life have come in when I've given complete surrender to God. There's a whole lot of more bragging about God that I can give to you than I can do about myself. Saying, oh, look what I was able to do and how smart I was. Rather, I can point you to things like, my goodness, can you believe this is in my life? God does it way better than me. Do your good to trust God in all things. Father God, I pray. I pray for your people. 
God, there is this whole other spiritual reality that lies and speaks craftily and deceives us and he, and he, and he also subtly causes us to make choices that are to our bad. And we don't even notice it while it's happening. So God, I just pray for your people today that you would help them see clearly. Help them see what's trying to be taken from them. What's trying to move them away from your will and your provision. And Lord God, Help them to know with all their heart that you love and you care for them, that there's no plan for any of us that's better than your plan. And Father God, thank you that you are so mighty and so wise that you can take all things and work them for the good, including the worst decisions that we can possibly make. That if we would just repent, and live according to your purposes, you can transform that mess into your masterpiece. What a great God you are. God, thank you for filling my life with so many instances of my own mistakes being made new by your hand. And I pray that for your people. And Father, if there be one here today that Satan has just been convincing them that they don't need Jesus, that they can be a good person all on their own and that you will accept them on their own goodness. Father, may they not hear His lie, but hear Your truth. That all have fallen short of the glory of God. That all have sinned. That the wages of sin is death. That all our righteous deeds are like filthy rags before You. That we cannot give You a good enough life to merit eternal life that only by trusting in the sacrifice of your son Jesus may we be saved. Speak to their hearts that they might be saved today. Speak to all our hearts that we might live and walk in the abundance and salvation that only comes in your will. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.